You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. by Hibbs only as far as Oda left foot shot goal it's Yutaro Oda with a left foot drilled effort into the bottom right corner hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club this club who are just bringing in the signings left, right and centre, or at least left and right at the moment, anyway. I'm Laurie Dunsire, joined again by Mark Donaldson. Hi Laurie, are, are you the, the main presenter? Are you the um, technical presenter? Am I the assistant presenter <laughs> or am I the co-host and you the co-host? And if we are co-hosts, does that make Ryan McGowan the Gordon Forrest as well? I'm... Uh, um, I think it's just the same as last as uh, last season same for the podcast, season. Mark. No, yeah, no same changes, as last season. No changes, no changes Nothing's changed. whatsoever. Okay, nothing's, nothing's changed. Yep. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. So who, who's responsible for the signings then? Who's responsible for the Around the Funnel guests that we hope to get on? Uh, that depends. Um, uh, it'll maybe change after uh, Hearts get put by Crusaders in the third qualifying round of the <laughs> Europa so, Conference That would be so hard. Rosenberg get knocked out by Crusaders and Harps fans are jubilant and then Crusaders pump us. That would honestly, uh, that would just yeah. sum up the summer. But that's not going to happen, is it? Harps are going to get through in Europe and we're hopefully going to get off to a good start in the league. But that depends on our other co-host today, the, the man who, honestly, Roberto Carlos phoned him asking for tips. Incredible. Ryan McGowan, he's, he's added... He's added at least 23 yards to the, the usual range on his shooting. Um, how are you doing, Mr. McGowan? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Good to be back on. Um, and good to get a goal. Always special to get a goal, isn't it? That's a good goal, though, guys. It I'm, is. I'm looking, at, I'm, I'm looking at not only the goal, but I'm looking at your face after you scored, and it looks like a, fuck me, did I do that type of face. It was just like, thank fuck that we scored. to <laughs> <laughs> Could have done with one last night as well, but yeah, yeah not, not, a, job, not a great job, start job. from us, but it's, yeah, it's just a league okay. cup, focus on focus on the big stuff soon. Yeah, Alloway nil, St. Johnston 4 at the weekend, and Ryan McGowan on 20 minutes, cracks one in from 25 oh. yards, whistling into the bottom corner, a, a fine strike, you've, you've been trying to add a few yards onto that 25 ever since. Yeah. I did laugh when I got on the bus and obviously I'd seen that you two nuggets had written in the chat and then started going on Twitter 
and it was just everyone replying, being like, that's, that's obviously a typo. No <laughs> way, 25 yards. But, no, it it's was a, good. It's we're, a good head, that's a better touch. Your first yeah. touch makes it. It's, a, it's sensational. I mean, it's a shitey clearance, but mm. you've, it's, it's good, son. Have you had yeah. many from that distance in your career? No. no. As you could tell. I think that's probably my four... Yeah, I'd probably say that's the first outside the box, mm. I think. You've, you've scored some yeah. actually not bad goals, though. I remember there's actually... Damned should, by faint praise. It should be... <laughs> I should have made an outtake of this. There was an episode we did ages ago. I think you were still in Kuwait at the time, and um, it didn't make the final cut. It was one of those back when we used to do multiple tangents. I think I had about two hours to edit down, and uh, a lot of stuff got cut. But there was a tangent where we went off on um, you scoring goals, and you actually sent us a link to a YouTube video, and you, there was quite a few decent goals in there, I remember. Yeah, it's a um, good one in China. Yeah, that was what, and that's why obviously none of us had ever seen them because no one cared. But um, there were still, <laughs> there were still <laughs> some good goals. Though. Ah, good old China days. You missed the boat. I mean, it could have been in, you know you a Saudi's where it's at. I caught I caught the China train, but I've okay. missed the Saudi. I've missed the Saudi one. That's gone, and and also that's that's a free for all. Saudi's a free for all. China was. We had the backdoor passage because of the Aussie passport, and it was mm-hmm. the four plus one rule. Whereas I think Saudi's up to eight foreigners, so they're not going to sign any scuddies from Australia, are they? <laughs> Whereas well, in in China, they in China they 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 only really had Aussies because of like in Asia, obviously not China's not everyone's favorite, so a lot of like Koreans and Japanese wouldn't go to China, etc. So it just sort of wangled its way down to the best ones were were Aussies at that time. So we caught we caught the old gravy train a few of us. It's all that matters Indeed. son. Yeah, and a few others are catching the the Saudi gravy train now, which I'm sure will probably be as um long lasting as the Chinese Super League as well. But while while it's going, um why not bid three hundred million dollars for footballers? Anyway Let's not get into that because we've got more important things to talk about. We've got hearts to talk about. We are going to speak about uh, new signings and another Aussie to talk about. Someone who used to play with Ryan McGowan. So we'll, we'll obviously get too many new signings, Lloyd. Too many. Too ma- yeah, to stop well, this. two. Well, two. Awesome. But um, yeah. Um, since last time, I mean, two. Uh, take it. Yeah, no, it's good. It's things starting to take pace. Um, uh, we'll talk about preseason friendlies. The final one coming up this weekend. We'll talk about. Some other things, the management team who've been in front of the cameras for Sky Sports. We'll talk about the European draw as we kind of briefly touched upon there. And I'm sure a few other things will come up in the next hour or so. You're listening to Scarves Down the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Okay, let's kick off with an email because I like it when we get an email. It's a nice way to open our chat. 
And this one's from Kelman Chambers, who's messaged the show previously. Um, says, hi guys, thoroughly enjoying the pod, the balanced outlook. Just thought I'd add my tuppence worth. I'm broadly in agreement with the comments made by Scott McIntosh. We have the basis of a good squad and we don't need a major overhaul. Just a few strategic quality signings. We've all moaned about no kids coming through, but if we fill the squad with adequate players, we'll just block their pathway even further. I watched the game over here against Plymouth and some of the young players, specifically Rathy, Flatman and Denham, certainly look good enough to be squad players, if not ready to be regular starters. Use these guys to fill out the squad and have a smaller, higher quality squad of 15 or 16. What I'd really like to see is a sign of leader, someone like Bera Presley, say his name quietly, Weir, Naismith or Webster, second time around, that could guide what is largely an inexperienced squad. One last point, you mentioned the markets we could be looking at. What's wrong with Scotland? Remember the 98 team had Weir, Fulton, Cameron, Hamilton and McCann who all came from Scottish teams. Even the 2006 team had a Scottish spine, Gordon Webster, Presley and Hartley. If we're looking outside of Scotland, I'd favour Oz, Scandinavia or the northern part of Eastern Europe as players from these areas seem to cope with the rigours of our domestic game with maybe the odd punt from Southern Europe or Asia, especially in attacking positions. Sorry, that was meant to be a quick note, but it's gone on a little. Keep up the good work. Kelman. So, always like to to read the content that we get via email. So, thanks to Kelman for sending that. Um, so, it's an interesting point, both of you, in terms of talking about the markets we're looking at. Last week, when you weren't on, Ryan, we spoke about where should Hearts be looking at in terms of markets. In, t- in terms of the Scottish market, you know, Ryan, you've, you've played in the league last season. You've watched plenty of it before that. Um, you know, if you're looking at players for other teams, we won't bring St. Johnson into that because that'll be slightly awkward. But if other players in the league, what, who do you think stands out who would be realistic for maybe a team like Hearts to look at in, in Scotland right now? Because there's not many jump out to me. No, not. I don't mind the boy Armstrong at Kil- Kilmarnock. Yeah. I think he's, right. I think he could, yeah. he's probably one of those ones that's a reasonable age, could do the step up in terms of, you know, a bigger club, a bigger expectation. Um, so a couple I was looking at. I mean, I was looking at like um, so one that got mentioned. I don't know if this. I don't think is particularly what I would go for. But a few people were talking about Scott Wright because anyway, there was a five hundred thousand pound bid in from a Turkish club. It looks like he's turned that down. Um, now the thing with Scott Wright, he was never actually a regular starter at Aberdeen. He had spells in and out of the team. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what you made of him. I don't know if you've come up against him often. I played with him at Dundee. Well, you did when he was on loan, of course. Yeah, we're both what on happened loan. that season with Dundee? I'm joking. <laughs> we won't go there. there. <laughs> I only joined like, ten games or so. I can't remember. I can't remember. But yeah, he joined. He joined the same from Aberdeen. We mm-hmm. we signed on the same day, and back then you could tell, similar to what you were saying, he. I felt like he just needed a run of games and a manager to be like quite confident in him, and you know, give him that platform to go out and play, and then. I think he went back to Aberdeen and he'd only played a handful of games and he was already sort of on Rangers' radar. But I also think that was, we played, um, when I was at Dundee, we played Gerrard's Rangers away and Scotty Wright started up front by himself and he actually played really well. I think we got spanked, but he played really well that night and I'm pretty sure that would have been the foot that would have been the time that they sort of, went, oh, I wonder who that is, and, and kept an eye on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably why they got him. But I, I definitely think that would be an outstanding signing for Hearts if they could get um, Scotty Wright. I think he's a really, really good player. 
And that's just purely a name that I've seen Hearts fans mentioning. Uh, you know, but half a million quid, Mark. Uh, Hearts had finished third, maybe they'd be throwing half a million quid about, but not quite sure that's on the agenda right now. Well, I'm I'm glad Ryan's on this week because we spoke last week about where Hearts should be aiming for. And I want to speak about value for money. So half a million quid for Scott Wright, who Rangers fans are pretty keen for him just to piss off. Yeah, he's a squad player there, and they don't feel he's he's their level. That's a lot of money for a team like Hearts to spend, especially when last week we're talking about right now they're probably not going to go more than five, six grand a week. Remember, Dylan Levitt was on is on seven grand a week at Hibernian. Um, I'm not sure that's the type of, of player that we're 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 going to be paying that for. But the reason I want to chat to to Ryan because we had this back and forward last week when we spoke about Frankie Kent, and I put it on Twitter that Hearts were interested in it and there, there was a lot of negativity around it there was a lot of, of sensibility as well See, come on this is this is the type of of leagues that we need to be looking at now because we can't afford a top end championship or something like that so what when we were talking about other leagues to look at we've obviously done well with the Aussie market would you say that top end of league one where hypothetically you can some of them are out with your budget. But what would you say the top end of League One and the teams there compared to the A-League? Are the A the best A-League teams, are they better than the best teams in League One? And if so, our market should be continue with Australia because you get better value for money. What do you think, Ryan? Oh, I would say there's probably realistically maybe in Australia probably Melbourne City who's by far the best team the last couple of seasons I don't think they would win League One but I also don't think they'd be mid-table if that makes sense yeah, it's, okay. got, it's harder because obviously like League One you play crazy amount of games A-League you only play 27 you know squads are bigger blah 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 but they're probably on a bit of an even keel, but I think League One is harder than the A League. If I was to, okay, if you were getting a player from one or the other, I feel like in League One you have a lot of like streetwise professionals, you know, been there, done that, in their prime almost. Whereas the A League, you have like the younger Aussie players that are coming through and getting that opportunity to play, mixed in with like your kind of A League boys that will only ever play in Australia type players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you have your kind of foreigners who most of the time are the wrong side of 28 and just bring that little bit of experience. Whereas, you know, sort of league one have loads of like, you know, ranging from 18 to 24 year olds with, you know, big ambitions have maybe come from a big club and dropped down or out on loan or coming through the system. I feel like that would be a much harder league. Um, but also, like, I would be more encouraged of signing a centre-back from a League One club than it would be a centre-back from the A-League. Why? Because you've got that sort of hardy sort of type of thing. You've got what, sorry? That sort of more, hardy... Yeah, more physical like, game, isn't it? Like, kind of, yeah. yeah. You, you, you're not going to get bullied. There must be some. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Australian teams right now, and we've obviously just signed... Um, Callum from, from Western Sydney Wanderers, which I'm sure we'll go on to speak about someone that, that you know well. Um, 
but looking at the the guys, right? So Jason Cummings is a good a good example. He's, he went to Dundee and he ended up rejuvenating himself and his career by moving to Central Coast. He's now got a move to India. He's played at a World Cup. He was second top scorer last week uh, last season in the A League. Jamie McLaren, Melbourne City, a guy who's been linked with Hearts before, has been at Hibernian. He's he's still twenty nine. Is he someone now who's probably going to cost too much money? Um, to to get again because he got twenty four goals and twenty nine starts last season. Is he someone that is good enough to to move to a much better league, a championship in England, or is he is he probably at the the right level for for him? He's a he's a, a real funny one. He needs to be playing in a team that creates loads of chances and, and gets him. Yeah, you know, like when he went to Hibs, he had a decent enough spell at Hibs. Um, but he eight goals and eleven starts in his in his first time there. Yeah, and and he is just one of those players that you have to continually like. If you give him the service, he will score goals, and he, and he is he has been successful like that in his career. But he has struggled when he's left Australia in terms of putting that together outside of you know that kind of short spell that he had with Hibs. But. Oh. I don't think of other players that he would be one that like if Hart signed, I'd be like, he's going to score goals. You'd rather sign Jamie McLaren than Hibbs have signed LaFondra, you know, mm-hmm. those types of things. Because but... LaFondra got 10, 10 goals last season for um, Sydney. For Sydney. But, but, he's, but he's older. And you've got guys like Zawada or Zavada, the Polish striker as well. And mm. I, think it's, I think it's an interesting comparison because clearly we've got a window in... Um, in Australia, we've got good contacts over there, and we've we've signed yeah. players from over there. But I think that there's an element of, of some heart supporters um, have have just got to be a little bit more realistic when it comes to signing targets. Now, Frankie Kent again, everyone's probably made their mind up about him without even seeing him play for Hearts yet. Um, the same with Callum, the new signing. What type of player are Hearts getting? With their new midfielder that they announced and confirmed today. Uh, yeah, so when I played with them at Sydney, he was maybe must have been eighteen. It was kind of his first season, you know, stepping up to sort of the A League. I think he was still on the like a youth team contract, but um, you know, he's a centre midfielder that's very comfortable on the ball, uh, good technically, you know, left and right foot, good at switching, good passing range, can score a goal from distance, has a really good strike. And he has that kind of, um, like we used to nickname him Sleepy, because he just looks like very lackadaisical. But he very rarely gets caught on the ball, if that makes sense. He has this like, you'll see it as soon as you start seeing him playing, he just looks like he's in the middle of the park, just wandering around. But he's got such nice balance to him, and he never really gets caught on the ball because he's always under control. And people feel that he isn't, and they can you know sneak at him and and try and get him, but he very rarely loses possession of the ball. But his biggest thing will be how quickly he can get up to the pace of the game. I feel like the pace is a little bit frantic here. Um, but, you know, if you're kind of comparing players, you know, technically he'll give you a lot more on the ball than probably a, more, a lot of the centre midfielders that Hearts have at the moment. So, Ryan, you, you, you've seen most of the, the Hearts team up close, or you've seen them on TV. Stephen Naismith and Frankie McAvoy will likely put out a 4-2-3-1. It's what they 
preferred at the end of last season. We understand that's what they're going to try and go with this season. In that system, with other players there, where do you see Callum Newenhoff fitting in? So you've got the kind of two central midfielders, you've got the three more advanced, so there is a kind of 10 role up there. Um, so, so is it going to be in one of those central midfield roles rather than being further ahead? And if it is, yeah. who who do you see him alongside then? I think him and Cammy would work together. I'm trying to think. The, the good thing, I think, is that he's he's not really like any other the midfielders that they've got, which is a bonus. I always feel like if you're playing in that role, you want to be different to somebody else. You just don't want to be a bit better than them. You want to add something different that, that, that the other ones don't have. You know, you've sure. got kind of like a few ones in there, like proper workhorses and win the ball back. But then I feel like he's he would be the most comfortable on the ball, going to get it off the center, like the center backs and starting it, like a bit like Snodgrass used to do in terms of like going and demanding it and then starting attacks. He'll be good at that, but he can also get around the pitch. Yeah, he's not blistering. He's not fast. He's just kind of he's only got a third gear. He doesn't really have that burst of pace. They can get past them, but he, he doesn't very rarely needs that. He's just he's very he's a very um, smart footballer. It's probably what I would call him. He just so gets, in, gets himself in good areas. Does it? it he describes himself in the interview he did it for Hearts TV as <clears throat> box to box, puts a tackle in, but can chips in with goals and assists. A hard working player. Now I'm not suggesting he's himself, doesn't he? Yeah, well, I'm not suggesting this comparison is in terms of quality, quality, but similar type of player. See, when you're talking, do you know who I'm thinking of in Scotland at a bigger club than Hearts? Callum right. McGregor. Well, yeah, that too. But Callum McGregor, maybe Callum McGregor has got a little bit more pace, but do you know when you're talking about someone who's kind of, he's not defensive, he's not kind of necessarily uh-huh. seen as attacking, but he's box to box. I, I, I kind of think, yeah. I think Callum McGregor is a great player, obviously, we're not we're not expecting to sign some of that quality, but in mm-hmm. in our team, is it is that would is that kind of yeah. comparison? Yeah, like I wouldn't class him as a, the you and all your friends that play that bloody football manager. Like he's not an out and out <laughs> six, and he's not an out and out ten. He'd be like an an eight, which seems to be completely rare these days. Midfielders are either you have to be defensive or you have to be attacking. You know, back in the day, it was just if you're a midfielder, you did a bit of everything. Um, and that's what he is. He's a bit of a throwback. He's he's very comfortable on the ball. He's got a great, great strike. Um, he scored some great goals um, back in Australia. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's probably similar. He's he's more of those roles where he doesn't just do one thing. He can kind of dips his toes in everything. I was going to ask if he's Segundo Volante. Is one of the um, football Not manager you, positions. He's right. She was with the, that nonsense. Amit Salah. No, stop. Six, six, eight, ten, whatever. <laughs> but he's only had one season where he's played double-digit games. Like, he's only 22, right? He played 27 games last season. Started 27 for Western Sydney in the A-League and scored four goals. Do you think when McAvoy, Naismith, Forrest are putting together their starting lineup to face St. Johnston at McDermott Park, do you think, given... Will only have played once against Leeds, and he probably won't be up to speed. He's likely to be an off the bench for the first few games to see how he yeah. settles. Yeah, I would imagine so. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and they would have finished. He locked Sydney, knocked them out. Laurie will be able to find it on his Sydney FC, knocked them out in the cup or in the final series that they call it in Australia, and that would have. Been 
That was the 6th of May, and Sydney won 2-1. That would, been penalty. that would have been his last competitive game. Yes. So he's not played since the 6th of May. And obviously, and he's yeah. now got his visa. So I was just, I was, yeah, it's a long time. I was looking at someone like Alan Forrest, right? And not style or anything, but looking at Forrest last season, played in 35 games. And you don't sign someone for the money we've paid for, for him and, and have him not in the squad. But Forrest started 16, was a sub 19 of the 35 that he was involved in. So there's only three games he wasn't involved in. I wouldn't be surprised if Callum's numbers were pretty similar to that, depending on how he gets on. Because once he once he gets up to speed, then then hopefully he's he's a he's a regular starter for us. But probably just as many substitute appearances as starts, it's probably not a fair shout for a first season in a different country for a 22-year-old that's only once played more than 10 games a season. Is that fair? Mm, yeah, yeah, I think so. But also, uh, he did have like back problems. I think it was. I don't want to put it. But when he was at Sydney, Sydney wanted to re-sign him, but they were worried about he had these issues with his back or something. When I was there, just as I was leaving, and it ended up he didn't play that many games. It was almost like a bit of growing pains. He was like a late developer a little bit. Um, and then once that was sorted, he went to Western Sydney and like, I think they only played 27 games last year. I think that sometimes gets put under the radar. It's not as if yeah, he played every game played, for them. I think it's, so. yeah, it's not as if Western Sydney had a 42 game league and he only played 27. He, he started, I think every game last year and in a team that, that did relatively well. Um, so, and he'll be looking at it like, you know, again, the, the added bonus of, the Australian market at the moment is that so many of those players are looking at it like you look at Atkinson, Devlin and Rolls who have all come over to Hearts now all straight away in the Socceroos squad whereas a couple of years ago they were playing at Wellington, Melbourne City and Central Coast Mariners and, and they weren't really getting that opportunity. So Callum will be looking at it being like if I go over to Hearts and start playing regularly I can get into the Socceroos and the more sort of yeah, you know, that that's a big selling point for Hearts now is that they can now look at these Aussie boys and and say to anyone, you know, any no matter what nationality they are, is you know, you come to Hearts, you do well, it's a big club, you get put onto the sort of international radar, and and that's what they should be trying to do a little bit more often. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, looking at another deal that has been concluded. It was mentioned briefly earlier, but someone that was, um, I guess, a deal that was first revealed by yourself, Mr. Donaldson. Frankie Kent confirmed now six-figure move from Peterborough, although another club did try to gazump the deal at the last, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, but he's ours. He's ours. I'm looking forward to seeing him. I love his passion. Um, he speaks well. Can he defend set plays well? We'll soon see. But it's it's always it's always nice when you get a new signing in, and it's always nice, especially this summer, when you get a position that you need. And centre back was a position that that Hearts required. I still think we need pace, um, and that's hopefully someone we're looking at. Um, I'll go. I'm going to try and go for two for two. So I haven't posted this on Twitter. I haven't done anything with this. Okay. However. However, 
here's today's one. Now it's four seventeen in the afternoon. Thursday, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon. Which is which Wednesday is nine seventeen p.m. in nine, UK time. Nine seventeen your time. Here's a text from a contact. Ready for this? Just been told hearts are in for Jamie McGrath. Stephen Naismith is talking to him. Now, in the last hour or two, Jamie McGrath, along with a fellow teammate at Wigan Athletic, Jack Watmo, yep. or Watmo, or however you pronounce it, following advice and guidance from the PFA, Jack and Jamie made the decision to terminate their contracts due to, due to repeated contractual breaches under the previous ownership. So Jamie McGrath is a free agent. He's been at St. Mirren, he's been at Dundee United, was at Wigan as well. And he was a player who was linked with Hearts three weeks ago, start of, of yeah. July. But I am not going as far as I did last week with Frankie Kent. All I would say is I have been told that Hearts are keen on Jamie McGrath. And a lot depends on who else might be keen to sign him as well. But he could be the next um, player unveiled by the football club because we've we've seen Andrew McKinley on Sky earlier today and we'll talk about this later. Um we've seen Joe Savage's comments after Frankie Kent signed saying that expect more new arrivals basically. Uh there's definitely interest, I've been told, from Hearts in Jamie McGrath. Ryan, what type of player is he? I'm not sure we played maybe only played against him once last season. I think he was injured oh, for the other God. time. It's memorable. <laughs> really yeah. it, he's one of those ones that I think again would do better at a bigger club um, with sort of better players around him it was hard on United last year you know sort of struggling they, they weren't on a great run of form at all you know outside probably the first couple of months of the season so it's hard to sometimes judge players in, in those situations and if you can get them out of the environment that they're in and sort of give them a fresh start then then they could bloom but you know, again, I think he's an internationalist, good age, no league. It's it's one. It kind of falls into that sort of low risk signing. You know, he doesn't really need to. Well, he shouldn't need that much time to get used to. You know, going to sort of tricky away grounds or um, how to handle sort of being a, a bigger club. He should he should know all of that all straight away. Um, so I don't know if. If they could get him on free, then yeah, it'd probably be a good one. Would you pay money for him? I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't, I, I don't really know. I think you'd fall into that kind of. You wouldn't be. You wouldn't be absolutely delighted with it if you're a Hearts fan. But I also think that sometimes those ones can come back and sort of surprise you at how well they actually do do. I mean, he was. Laurie, so you commentated on the four-one game. That was the only time I believe he played against Hearts last season. Um, you've you've seen him. You've commentated on him. He kind of played in a central midfield, slightly to the left of centre, against Dundee United at Tynecastle. Is there was there any memorable moments you've seen when you've when you've seen Jamie McGrath? Not particularly for Dundee United, to be honest. Um, but he was very impressive for St Mirren. I think it was the season was, before yeah. we came back Couldn't up. Really he got goal. he got almost 20, 20 goals mm-hmm. in one season, which started turning a lot of heads. Um, I really liked him as a kind of attacking option. I think he would potentially fit in one of those kind of three ro- three roles behind the striker, be that maybe coming in from the left or this sort of number ten role. Uh, you know, quite aggressive, takes players on, had a decent shot on him. So yeah, I, I think last season 
maybe I'd be underwhelmed by that potential signing. Uh, you know, if, if you'd give me, I'll be completely honest, give me the option, Levitt or McGrath, before any deals have been done, I would have picked Levitt if you said one or the other um, after last season. That's me being entirely honest. But a couple of years ago, Jamie McGrath was was a very impressive player, and that's why I ended up getting a move down south. There were other teams looking at him. So uh, it's one that it it doesn't overly excite me, but if it's a free, there's obviously not a heap of risk maybe involved. Obviously, everything's going to cost money. There's still wages and signing on fees, etc. But could be one worth doing, and I guess you've got to trust who's involved in the kind of transfer business that they've looked at him and they think they can get more out of him because Ryan makes a good point. I mean, in terms of saying maybe do better at a club that's doing better because Dundee United were pretty terrible last season. So it's kind of hard to maybe judge him too mm-hmm. much. I know he got, he got nine goals, but um, a few of them were penalty kicks. So it's maybe just a season that you can't judge him fairly. Maybe we should look at the time he had us at Mirren where in a team that wasn't fantastic, kind of mid-table team, he did very, very well. So, um, yeah, I won't. I won't pretend I've got done a deep analysis on Jamie McGrath. But when he was at St. Mirren, when I saw him, I thought he's the type of player that could fit in very well to our system in yeah. you know, number ten or coming in maybe in off that left hand side. Well, the ten's an interesting one because I'm just looking at the last goal he scored. Well, the the last goal he scored in that season, he got ten league goals for St. Mirren, was in a three all draw at Kilmarnock, and he played as a ten behind Erwin and Obika. So I think that, that we we can't be too guilty here of, of snobbery. We can't just say, ooh, it's don't know if I fancy that one. We are where where we are, and, and we've we've signed many players in the past. Um I mean Paul Hartley for, for example, when when he signed for Hearts, it was like what's, what's what's he been signed for? He wasn't exactly pulling up trees and then he was shifted from right midfield to to kind of that all-action attacking midfielder, and, and and he was brilliant. Not comparing the two. I'm just saying we've got to be careful here. We're not guilty of of, of snobbery. What I think it is important is we have strength and depth because we are a Lawrence Shankland injury away from probably mediocrity. You take his goals out the team and then you've you've probably got a, a side that's that's battling to be top six. I think that's how important that is. Um last season and bearing in mind this is with Halkett not going to be back for another two, three, four months as well. This is without our our key players. We should be challenging for third with with everybody available. Um, should we be favourites for third? That's an interesting one. I was looking at oddschecker.com the other day and I saw Hearts with most of the bookies' favourites to finish best of the rest without Rangers and Celtic at seven to four. Right now, I wouldn't be touching that with a barge pole. I think no. Aberdeen is the value at two to one. Hibs, you just don't know what you're going to get. They're seven to two. It's a big price. But if you're asking me right now if it's Hearts at seven to four or Aberdeen at two to one, I'll probably take Aberdeen. But there's also an element of there's been so much negativity in pre-season and even last week we spoke about not really being that enthusiastic ahead of the new season. If we get off to a flyer, Ryan, help please, then that that changes. But right right now, it is what it is. And I'll take any help we can get, but I, I need players with pace, please. Okay, talking about um, the kind of feeling about pre-season so at the time of recording Hearts played Mansfield in a closed door friendly last night lost 3-1 this is one of these things Mark where um, I've never been one that likes people reading too much into friendly games because they're they're friendly games it's a run out and 
Hearts are 1-0 up at halftime. Liam Boyce opened the scoring. He went off injured, but we understand it's just a precaution. It wasn't anything to be too worried about. But you see the first half, Hearts started with Clark, Atkinson, Civic, Rolls, Kingsley, Haring, Beningamy, Forrest, Shankland, Cochrane, Boyce. So all kind of first picks. Second half, not everyone came on at halftime, but second half involved the likes of McGovern, Denham, Rathy, um, Smith, Halliday, Nielsen, Wilson, George Grant came on in the first half. So, so some players that aren't your, your first picks as well. So results-wise, I think it's pretty pointless looking at results. I w- again, like last week, though, I'd be lying if I said I think everything's rosy. And it's, it's one of these things, you know, a, a few people were messaging saying you're a bit negative, you know, you're falling into that category of losing your shit pre-season. Um, I thought we were kind of bang in the middle. We looked at a few views that were very kind of much on the positive side. We looked in some that are maybe looking to go more negative. We, I think both of us are similar. We're a little bit apprehensive about certain things. We're a little bit disappointed in certain areas, but we know it's pre-season. We're not losing our, losing our shit too much. However, without going into detail, we both know, you know, without giving any details, we can't go into information. We both know that not everything has been plain sailing for Hearts this pre-season. Things haven't gone as well as they've hoped. Um, things have happened, which has meant signings have been delayed, etc. So we know it's not been a smooth preseason or as smooth as Hearts would have liked. But preseason friendlies, what what can we make of these? Does, does, is there any point? Is there a reason Hearts are doing these all behind closed doors? I don't know. What can we make of preseason friendlies? Fitness. I mean, Ryan's team, albeit they haven't had great results in the League Cup, that's that's minutes under the le- minutes in the legs. Minutes so when they in the play, legs. There's the minutes in the legs. There you go. That, I mean, they should be in a position, Ryan St. Johnson, having played four League Cup games. By the time you you face Hearts, I, I was actually just looking at at um, the, the. There's no point in going back to 0506 and how we spoke about the chaotic preseason and, and everything like that. I want to want to take you back to just two years ago. Hearts hadn't qualified for Europe, so they were in the League Cup group stages. They won at Peterhead. They beat Cove Rangers 3-0. They won 2-0 at Sterling and they beat Inverness by goal to nil. They had pre-season friendlies, which started towards the end of June at Linlithgow, at Civil Service Strollers, at Spartans. They scored 17 goals in those games. They drew with air. They beat Falkirk by four goals to nil. And they had a game against Sunderland that they lost 2-0 to two Ed McGeady goals. They started off flying and beat Celtic and then beat St Mirren. Yes, they lost to Celtic in the League Cup, but then the draw against Aberdeen, the win at Tannadice, the draw against Hibs, and then at Ross County, the win over Livingston and Motherwell. They didn't lose a game in the league until Aberdeen. So it's difficult. You, you, you can have a look at the results that Hearts have had pre-season and they have not been great, but it, the importance of, of playing games, whether it's behind closed doors or, or whatever, Ryan, I mean, you'll you'll feel much fitter now than you did prior to your first League Cup game, um, and I'm sure the rest of the St. St. Johnson players are, are are feeling the same, despite not having the best results. Massively, massively. This is the first time I've been involved in the sort of pre-season cup, but I remember well, what was it? Just over a week ago, we played Stenhouse Muir. Obviously, got beat, but I felt terrible then. I, I felt like. I was miles off it, albeit I've had a bit of a stop-start pre-season. But, you know, I did feel relatively confident going into that game that I would my fitness would be okay and that I would be able to get through that game. And I came off being like, well, I'm nowhere near it. Um, so I, I do think that in terms of 
there is a massive difference. Depending on how old you are, though, I, I do feel that. But friendlies, behind closed door games, they're only as good as the players treat them. Um, so unless you're actually at that game to see it, you don't know what's going to happen. Whereas we, you know, we played the, for example, the Dunfermline game that Hearts played, where fans could go to, would have been a much more intense game than the Mansfield game that they played behind closed doors. It's, it's just that's just how it is. You put fans in there, players have to have. It's just more pressure. You can't do stuff that you can probably do behind closed doors. They're just more intense games, and you know, for us, we've now we would have played four competitive games before we go into sort of the hearts games albeit results haven't been great but you know a lot of us will be feeling a lot more you know match fit than probably hearts would have you know have just played a couple of behind closed doors games and then obviously they got leads at, at the weekend be a big game for them as well oh did you know what this week's tune's going to be now oh <laughs> what is it no one knows no. what goes on behind closed doors. Oh, very uh, good. By, anyway. by the way, by the way, from a P, from a PR perspective, I have the utmost sympathy for Phil and the gang and the boys and girls that work behind the scenes at Tyne Castle. A good friend of mine, David Southern, his nickname used to be Zanussi, right? And for those of a certain age, they used to make washing machines, among many other things. And David was called Zanussi because of the amount of fucking spin that he would put on things to make everything appear great. I don't even think it's possible to spin some of the stuff that's come out. I mean, people say, well, what? there's not been much from, from Hearts. It's been pretty quiet. How do you put a positive spin without fans seeing right through that? I mean, God bless Phil Turnbull and the team behind the scenes. And I, I hope, especially for them and everyone behind the scenes at, at Hearts, that there's far more um, positivity and the admin of the, the Twitter account. Because there's no point in just putting stuff out for the, the sake of it, because it just gets ridiculous. But for them, I, I hope, especially, and for all the Hearts fans, I hope we got off to a, a great start so that they can... I mean, J. Allen Films, right, who did such a great job uh, over the last season and, and the season before that as well. I just hope we get a good start. At McDermott Park. I hope it's the same as our first trip to McDermott Park last season, Laurie. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm sure though um, two out of three would agree with that on this podcast. Uh, I, I mean, you mentioned some of the stuff that's come out. So there has been quite a bit of content coming out over yeah, the last day via Sky Sports, who've been around um, Tynecastle, around the training ground. Uh, it was interesting because there was an interview with... Um, with the Hearts management. Now, we've spoken about this already. It's one of these things. So we know we know there has to be a certain um, charade that is followed. A party line. A party um, line. Which is that Frankie McAvoy is picking the team. He is the head coach slash manager by all intents and purposes. But but come on, let's not be around the bush. But we all know, really, it's Stephen Naismith. Um, I don't know what you made, Mark, of... Um, the interview. So Sky Sports got both of them together and had a chat about um, obviously the team and, and obviously you know Luke Shanley uh, is there to do a job and wants to get some lines out of them about how the management structure works. I don't know how you feel it kind of panned out. It's a very tricky one and I, I, and I, I, I do feel sorry for Naismith and McAvoy because it's not you know their fault that they just they have to toe this party line. First of all that was contractual 
people are saying, well, why did they put them up or why yeah. are they? Why did... It was contractual. Happens every season. It's part of the deal that Sky signed that they get um, they get exclusive access, obviously, to the teams. But in pre-season, everybody uh, is is contractually obliged, and it was up to Hearts who they put up. They decided to put Frankie McAvoy and Stephen Naismith up. Look for me afterwards. Look, look is someone that I first identified as a very young but very promising commentator when he was working for Hibs TV. And I was over doing Odense against Hibs at Radio 4th and um, got him Joe on board. Savage of sports media. Oh. I was just about to say that. <laughs> when things are going all right, I'll be making sure that, yeah, but when things are, are not, then I'll be I'll keep quiet. But no, looks looks a talented talented kid and he worked with me throughout and then I came over here, he got the job that I had at, at Sky and he phoned me and he's like, I said, what is it? He goes, that was good good today at heart. It's got some really good stuff. And the papers will get a lot from it as well. Um, but he said it makes a change. Because Luke's, Luke's been on our podcast before. He's, he's, his allegiance is well known. It's, it's green and white. But he's very fair. And he, he said it makes a change from doing interview me doing interviews at Hearts. He was referring to. And him not getting abuse or being a heavy. No one's mentioned that. And there's been a lot of traction from those interviews. So while we were waiting for um for for Ryan McGowan to finally get his daughter to sleep um by driving halfway around Scotland uh, prior to recording this <laughs> podcast, I went through the interviews again. I listened to them in full this morning, but I went through them again, both with Stephen Naismith and Frankie McAvoy and with Andrew McKinley. So here's the key lines that I got out of this. And it doesn't look great from from the perspective of being on the outside looking in. So Stephen Naismith was asked to sum things up. What's what's the role? Who's doing what? And he said, it's very much like we worked last season. We are here because of what we did last season. <laughs> yes, the roles were slightly different, but the way we work is exactly the same. Frankie's leading the stuff in terms of decisions with the team and things like that. But day to day, nothing's really changed. And it's exactly the same as what we did last season, even though it's... Not because Frankie as Luke pointed out, he says, "Well, it's different." <laughs> exactly, it's different because Frankie McAvoy is the head coach, and Stephen Naismith is the technical director. So Frankie's quote: "When we've got a difference of opinion about who should start and who should play, then I will make that decision. It's as simple as that. The only difference now is who's got the final decision about who's in the starting eleven. And as Frankie pointed out, that is him." So Luke then quite rightly asked, okay, well, if hearts get knocked out of Europe, do things change? Stephen Naismith, that is something we've also spoken about. For the longer term, there could be changes. But the here and now and what we are dealing with and what we are accepting is this structure. And that is what we will move forward with for now. So, okay, well, that's it's not the same as it was last season, but... Then Andrew McKinley. So Luke went to um, to Tyne Castle, got Andrew McKinley, and this is the the line I got. I mean, Andrew was Andrew's very good as far as the CEO. He knows he knows the right things to say. He's never going to get himself into trouble with with what he said. He's a CEO. He's an expert in business, and and I'm delighted that he's a CEO at Hearts because we're in very capable hands. So he was asked about the situation with the management team as well, and quote he said. Stephen's involved primarily on the transfer side of things, and he works closely with Joe, and they work with the recruitment team to identify the right people, and then if I need to sign off on signings, then then I do that. So that's like, well, that's not very much like we worked last season, as Stephen Naismith said. However, let's take off the tackety boots for a minute. Andrew McKinley has to say that. 
Stephen Naismith and Frankie McAvoy kind of have to say that. Hearts are in a predicament right now whereby they have to be seen to have the guy who has not got the UEFA Pro license, which Stephen Naismith confirmed he has a timescale for starting. You can't have him leading, picking the team, facing the press. You've got to have Frankie McAvoy. So it is difficult. And Andrew McKinley said what he said, had to say that. So did Stephen and, and Frankie. And the likelihood is when Hearts go out of Europe, whether we get past Rosenberg and Crusaders or whether we don't, at which stage do they suddenly say, right, Frankie, not interested in your opinion as far as who makes the final decision. It's my say-so. That's got to cause friction as well. So Hearts got themselves into this predicament by deciding they wanted Stephen Naismith and Frankie McAvoy, and Gordon Forrest. So I'm trying to paint a picture for both sides. I totally get why Andrew, why Frankie and Stephen said what they said today, because they kind of had to say it. But it just seemed with one or two quotes that they weren't all singing from the same hymn sheet. Indeed, but let's hope everyone is singing from the same hymn sheet when things kick off for the season. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. We could probably talk about the management structure and the optics of everything at the moment at Tyne Castle a lot more, but we don't want to get hung up on that too much because there was spoken enough about that. There was a European draw in the week, which is quite exciting, regardless of what's happening. It's always good um, to be involved in the European draw. And Hearts, in the end, got a pretty decent draw I would say Mark when we saw the group now we spoke last time that what you kind of in some ways you want to get a seeded team that's sort of above 22 coefficient because if you beat them you can then be seeded for the playoff but that is a tricky line to be on because most teams at that level are pretty good and maybe it would be tougher for hearts so um, we saw the group that would be potentially drawn against in the morning and when that group came out um, the, f- <laughs> the fact that we were drawn against either Rosenborg or Crusaders, I think we did pretty well. Yep. Rosenborg were the lowest of the seeded clubs as far as the coefficient is concerned, 11.0. Um, Crusaders, yeah, not, not a great coefficient either um, for them. So when the first two teams were drawn and... It was FC Twente, and it was uh, was it Rijeka? The other yes. team who was a yes Croatia. Well, they're, so that basically... they're they're likely the team likely to get through. Yeah, yeah. But that those were the out of the five seeded teams. Um, you kind of hoped for probably Rijeka or Rosenberg or maybe FC Twente. You you didn't want Ferencváros or, or Club Bruges. So it was a it was a sixty seven percent chance that we would get one of those two after Rijeka came out. And FC Twente came out, so yeah, I was, I was, I was happy enough um, to to get Rosenberg. It's not the team that they they were when they constantly won the Norwegian title. They've just appointed a new interim manager who got off to a shocker of a start, albeit they've picked up since then. But they played Celtic a lot of late. But ten years ago, a team from Perth, Ryan McGowan, <laughs> went to Trondheim before your time. Uh, you had just left Hearts, I think. It was the season after. It was 2013. And they beat Rosenberg in their own stadium and then drew 1-1 at McDermott Park. 
So everyone prior to that game was saying, oh, Rosenberg midway through their season, St. Johnston have just started their campaign as well. That was a brilliant season in Europe for St. Johnston. So they've shown, albeit it was a decade or so ago, that it is possible for a Scottish team to go to Norway, even Scotland showed that recently, and to come back with a, a good result. As a former Hearts player who was involved in, in Europa and European draws, what was the excitement level like when you knew your team were in the hat for a draw? Yeah, it's super exciting. Um, you know, the, the two that I was involved in were were pretty big teams in terms of um, Spurs in the first year that I was involved in, then Liverpool afterwards. They were kind of the ones that, you know, from a player's point of view at that time, we knew it was going to be difficult to get into the it was the Europa League group stages. Am I correct in saying that? I think so. Last qualifying one, so it was it was almost a case of you wanted either like a, a huge team that you had to sort of glamour tie against, probably rather that one than you know like a a really good Norwegian or Austrian outfit, which would probably beat you, but it just doesn't have that same feel to it. So. Um, yeah, you know, I was lucky enough to be involved in the. I didn't play in the the home leg against Spurs, and got to play the away game, and then got to play both games against Liverpool. So, you know, they were really good um, in terms of you know it got the got the Hearts fans super excited about the season. Um, you know, the, especially I remember obviously Tottenham away. Everyone had kind of pre booked that before the sort of first leg result, but um, you know, I remember we all. Obviously, got a pretty decent. I think it was one. Was it one all or nil nil? It was nil nil. It was nil nil. That Harry Kane made his debut and Jamie saved his penalty. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know that kind of like you know gave us players because it was kind of like a fringe team that played that night. It was like a big belief going into the season. You know, it, it gave the the crowd sort of a, a big lift, and, and the same as the Liverpool game. So, you know, the results in Europe is is what sort of Hearts fans want and what they love doing you know, seen it last year with the trips abroad and and what they did but um yeah they'll be probably be expecting to to put on a really good performance knowing what's at stake and there's probably that little bit of added pressure because of you know the situation that they found themselves in last year in terms of of missing mm -hmm. out on third place so there's that little bit more sort of pressure maybe um, or expectation riding on them this season to, to make sure that there's no sort of silly hiccups that they've had you know over the last couple of years um, in those sort of qualifying campaigns. Yeah, when you were involved, so Spurs and, and Liverpool were playoffs for the Europa League groups. At that point, there was no fallback in terms of the conference. The equivalent of what Hearts had against Zurich last season where they had the fallback of the Europa Conference. Back then, obviously, it was no no backup for you. Um, in terms of, obviously, we're at this point. You no, know, so if Crusaders pull off a shock, we will focus on him a little bit. We don't have time to go into both, and we are kind of assuming. So, although uh, Rosenberg um, are currently sitting tenth in the Norwegian league, they were third last season. They are the most successful club in Norway. Twenty six titles. Used to be regulars of the Champions League group stages. Uh, pre pandemic, they were still regulars in the Europa League groups. So they they are the heavy favourites against Crusaders, who finished fifth in Northern Ireland and who's domestic season also hasn't started similar to hearts um in terms of what this means uh mark so when hearts get this game obviously it's not going to be easy uh, regardless of who it is and if it is rosenberg despite them having a poor start to the season it's going to be a challenge for hearts they'll likely be underdogs i think with the bookies 
Um, in terms of progress, a few people tweeted asking a question. What does this mean? This means Hearts are coming up against a side with an 11 coefficient. They would take that coefficient if Rosenberg were the team and Hearts beat them. That's not going to be enough in the no. playoff to be seeded. And this means Hearts are going to be likely to face a, a pretty big club. There are some clubs that could be more beatable, but you've got Eintracht Frankfurt, who of course won Europa League against Rangers recently. You've got Club Bruges, Basel, Alkmaar, Dino Kiev, Fenerbahce, Lille. You've got a lot of big hitters who are seeded in that playoff final, that playoff draw. Let me put this into context. The only way Hearts would be seeded in the playoff round is if every single seeded team lost in the third <laughs> qualifying <laughs> round. Okay? Doubt that's going to happen. Doubt that's going to happen. Now, there's an issue right now with Juventus. Right you now, telling me there's a chance? You're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> Not yes. in this case, no, Mr. McGill. Um, Juventus might get kicked out of Europe because there's still all sorts of issues going on there. And if that was the case, Aston Villa would take their seat. Uh, right now, Rosenberg would be the lowest seeded team, uh, lowest unseeded team in the playoff round if all the the favourites get through. So that ain't happening. So so right now, depending if Juve go through or not, so it's it's Juventus, Eintracht Frankfurt, Club Bruges, Basel, um, Alkmaar, Ghent. Dino Kiev, Fenerbahce, Lille, Cruz, Cluj, Michetland, Partizan, Belgrade, Palk, Maccabi, Tel Aviv, and Victoria Pilsen. Now, a few of them might lose in the third qualifying round. There's also a couple of um, Europa League third qualifying round teams who would come in with coefficients of 52 and 39 if they were to to drop out, which they certainly will because um, that's the way it works. So, yeah, um, Hearts are very unlikely to be playing in the group stage unless something really mad happens. But you know what? No one expected St. Johnson to win in Norway 10 years ago. And no one expected Rangers to reach the final of the Europa League a couple of seasons ago as well. So I I, I think we've got to be careful here because right now I don't think we would beat Rosenberg. But if we were to, it would be a fantastic result. I've seen a few comparisons with Rosenberg and Zurich for a kind of standard. That's probably fair. Yeah, but I've also I've also seen comments of like Hebsigut Jurgarden of Sweden if if they get through their game and Jurgarden get through their game as well. As a as a nation, we have been far too reliant on Celtic and Rangers to get coefficient points up from a national association's perspective over the last well probably since since two thousand and three when Celtic reached the UEFA Cup final. Rangers did it in 08. The coefficient table is the last five years. We need to help out. Whether it's Hearts, Hibs, or Aberdeen, we need to help out. We need to boost the coefficient. Help ourselves. Well, exactly. I want that five million quid. Well, next season, <laughs> next season is guaranteed that there will be a Scottish team, whether it's the cup winners or the team that finishes third, in the the revamp of the European competition, but in the group stages, right? So there's a lot of money to be made, but we don't just want it to be the case of that's it. Three seasons, we had our good times. We got European football and group stages, and then that's it. Hearts need to help out by getting results in Europe. Hibs need to help out, and Aberdeen need to help out as well. So you can be what you want. I mean, I don't expect you to support Hibs in Europe. That's that's not what we do. Right? We're football fans. No. We want our rivals to lose. But you can't really lose in this case, because as a Hearts fan, if Hibs lose, you can mock them, I'm sure. But if they win, it might help you as far as a coefficient. Because if Hearts and mm -hmm. Hibs and I, no, I, I get that. I'm not wanting you to cheer for them. I'm just saying if you if they don't 
lose, then it helps the Scottish coefficient. But no one looks at it like that with a sensible maroon and white scarf around their neck, do they? Of course not. No, neither we should. Right, we're heading towards the end of this week's podcast. Uh, quickly, is, Gauzer, is, Gauzer, is Gauzer staying till the end this week? Maybe. Yeah. They're going to yeah. fucking like the ghost. Yeah. An awkward question. Oh, Ryan can't join us anymore now. He's um, he's, he's gone. Well, uh, no, I, th- I think he will. I mean, whether he'll ever come back after the first game of the season, I don't know. It depends how it goes. If St. Johnston get a good result, I'm oh, sure it'll be... it'll be Scarves around the funnel with only Ryan McGowan. If St. Yeah, it will just be Ryan McGowan discussing... Hopefully. Breaking down the St. Johnson performance. Um, His 40-yard strike into the top. (laughs) We've got a few messages, just some people are feeling about signings and European draw. Graham said, considering who we could have got, I think the draw worked out well for us and crucial to have the second leg at home, which is a good point. Kent uh, could be a great signing as we've needed a dominant centre-back and hopefully he'll be a real leader that we lack at the back. Right-back winger and pacey striker still needed. Uh, Jambo Ryan's his best draw possible at this stage. Is that you? No, it's not the not it's not you, Ryan. It's different, Ryan. Um, best draw possible. Imagine if that was your Twitter handle. Oh, <laughs> best draw possible at this stage. We're going into the next round unseeded. It is a massive negative, massive sides to face if we get through. Kent fits the description of the player we need. Same goal every week from set plays last season, hoping he can help us there. We need a forward with pace. Maroon Report says, fairly pleased with the draw in terms of quality of opposition and the distance having to travel for the possible two away legs. Very happy with the Kent signing as he's a centre-back we've been crying out for with his characteristics. I believe we need someone on the right-hand side for uh, uh, for both right-back to cover Atkinson and further ahead for Oda. Also a different type of forward to give a different um, attack to Shankland. Uh, Danny Cow says, happy with the draw considering who we could have got. However, would urge caution as I've seen hearts get put out by some awful teams in the past, which is fair enough. Adam McLean says, pace should be looked at in all three areas that everyone keeps mentioning, right back, winger, striker, but no need to rush into anything for me. Plenty of time to get some loans in from the EPL as they are still finalising squads. Think the likes of Sims and Cochrane, etc. Quality better than rushing in and uh, Gordon Stitt says regarding the draw it's the best we could have got from a mini pot and the type of games we need to start winning if we're going to become regular group stage team pleased with the signing so far a right back comfortable to play the inverted role and some attacking pace now needed and uh, last of all Stevie Morris friend of the show says great to be back at Tynecastle on Sunday seems like years ago we were there missing it good draw but £9 a pint flight scarcity and a cagoule needed it's not a patch on last season for the fans uh, Frankie goes to Gorgie who sounds a decent buy two more <laughs> and I will be happier but good good that Stevie mentioned Zach because I did want to touch upon it before we um, sign off Leeds United is the final friendly it's the big friendly really at Tynecastle in front of fans of course a championship side in England but they were Premier League last season relegated they've just appointed Daniel Fark as their manager this month former Norwich City boss they are losing some players but you know you look at this team Mark and just even a glance I didn't go into any um, delve in this but obviously Liam Cooper Scottish internationals are captain last year they spent almost 30 million um, on uh, Brendan Aronson an American Tyler Adams another American 14.5 million they spent over 10 million on a Spaniard from Bayern Munich and in January they shelled out 25 million on a French forward Jorginho Ruter who will be part of the squad as well so this is a this is going to be a big test, and this, I guess this is what Hearts need at this stage, isn't it? A big test in front of fans 
before the competitive stuff starts. Yeah, and then go back to what Ryan said earlier. It's in front of fans. Right? It gives them a chance to come, to see, to cheer them on, um, and 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 hopefully get a good result. I mean, look, Hearts have beaten Man City in the past in a preseason friendly. Hearts have beaten some big teams in in um, at Tynecastle in preseason friendlies. Now the Man City game was granted when they they had players that were not <laughs> anywhere near what they had right now, but it's an opportunity to to get a good crowd inside Tynecastle. It's going to be the only chance Hearts fans get to see. The team play at Tyne Castle. They've seen them play it at Dunfermline. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just hope for some positivity. I just hope that we can we've got something for the PR team and the the, the Twitter admin to build on from this. It's it, it's yeah, it's it's the last game you're going to see Hearts play before they face St Johnston. So I'm I'm sure there'll be some interested eyes from Perth as well. I think what you got another you've got your final League Cup group game at this weekend. Ryan, so I'm sure there'll be St Johnston representation certainly at Tynecastle, albeit what you can read into a preseason friendly. I don't know, but yeah, get along and, and hopefully we get a good result. Ryan, anything jump out in terms of memories when you were at Hearts with these friendly games? I know they are they don't mean an awful lot, but would Barcelona just be the one that would that would jump out in terms of a game that you're involved in? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, that was probably the biggest one that that I was involved in and I was only young at that time. I think I was, oh, I can't even remember how old I would have been. A fresh-faced teenager still, yeah. Yeah, 17 or 18. So that was obviously huge for me in terms of, you know, coming on the last couple of minutes and, and having that whole experience um, at Murrayfield. But then, you know, as you get older and as you play, then you kind of use that as, or you're looking at it, I would expect the team that starts against Leeds would be not far off the team that would start against us yeah. um, the following week. So, you know, that's like kind of big prep in terms of, you know, how did those players actually play and how do they perform? How, how does the players react that aren't in that starting 11 when they come on? Um, so, you know, they'll be wanting to put on a, a good performance. They'll be wanting to do the stuff that they've been working on in preseason. Um, you know, you want it to be coming up against you know, good quality opposition that they're not going to be facing that often in the in the league. So it's a good hit out for them. And um, yeah, like you said, it, it has been a little bit of a odd preseason for them in terms of um, not having that many games in front of fans. So it'll be one that even the fans will be looking forward to. And and yeah, like you said, hopefully they get a good crowd out and um, put on a good performance and then we get to spank them the week later. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, both Yuho Michaela who scored in that game, and yourself have scored at Aloha because you came on in that game as well. And um, you both scored at Aloha. Uh, did you get 15 grand that, that he got for his hat-trick at Aloha? <laughs> uh, no, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> Need to put agent renegotiate. Yeah, yeah, must be an agent. Go bonus. Did, did, you get, did you get a jersey in that game, by the way? Did you do a Cami Devlin and come on, even though he didn't come on and he still got Messi's jersey at the World Cup? Because no. Eto, Eto was replaced by Thierry Henry. They had Iniesta and Ronald yeah. Dino, Yaya Turi Xavi. I had a good photo of... Um, my family got a good photo of um, me and Henry sort of like standing next to each other. But I was a big believer and that was kind of like my first big one. So I just got all the hearts squad to sign it and kept my one um so i didn't want to swap it because it was kind of like my first sort of 
proper, what I felt like it was my debut almost in terms of being recognised in the sort of first team squad. So I just kept mine. I didn't swap it with anyone else. Remember who you came on for? Uh, Carapetus? Very good. Was it? Yeah, it was. Five to go. So, so you, ra- you, rather than getting a shirt signed by Thierry Henry... Or, Almost scored a header. You could have got a shirt signed by Henry, Xavi, Yaya Toure, Iniesta, yeah. but instead you've got one signed by Michael Stewart, um, Juho Makala. Skevichus. Once Callum the Lips put their signatures on it, there was no room for anybody else. Ricardus Benny Usis. Oh, magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. Cammy yeah. gets messy shirt. Anyway, thank you very much to you both for uh, joining the podcast this week. Thank you, Devin, for tuning in. A couple of things just to quickly run through before we go. I just want to mention um, Bruce Strachan, uh, who directed War of Two Halves, and Sweet FA, who's previously been on the podcast. He um, is involved in a new show that they're doing, same production team. This is about Bobby Walker, of course, still yeah. Hart's mm-hmm. third most capped player, the only player ever to be given testimonial by Scotland. Um, he says, and here's it's a usual mix of history, humour and poignancy, plus a number of joke at Hibs expense. Uh, the first preview of this is Wednesday the 2nd of August and the first night is on the 3rd and the show runs until the 28th of August. So if you want to get more information, I would recommend going to their Twitter page, which is Two Halves Productions. So that's at Two Halves Prod, which is T W O Halves P R O D. They got more info there. So based on their previous productions, I would say definitely get yourself along because it should be very high quality. And also wanted to mention the Big Hearts Gala, which has been confirmed. And this is happening in September, 9th of September. Uh, there are going to be a few guests. Paul Hartley and Darren Barr have both been announced already. A couple of former teammates of Ryan McGowan in two different spells. So they'll be there with plenty of stories. Maybe someone can bring up the petrol station story about Darren Barr that Ryan McGowan <laughs> and Andy Webster talked about on the podcast. So if you go into uh, bigheartsorguk uh, there's more info about that. So you can get tickets for that. Should be a great night. There'll be some big guests and lots more going on. So I just wanted to share that with everyone as well. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can tweet us at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Until next week, thanks for tuning in. And when we get behind closed doors, when she lets her hair hang down, and she makes me cry.